hey, we should say what we're doing now because we're already being extremely funny. Oh, sure. Um, this is the pilot episode of what will hopefully be a podcast called Idle Something or Another. Idle Curiosities? Idle Curiosities. This is Idle Curiosities, a search-driven podcast by Seth Reinecke and Jason Hellman. Music by Yuri Beats. I like how it sounds. I like saying it. I like... I said earlier, I was like, I'm going to go record my show. And, like, it's already... I'm already taking ownership of it, even though it's wasn't really existing until about... 15 seconds ago oh yeah it's definitely not a thing yet Mm -hmm. so what i think we're gonna try to do is talk to each other and we should we should say names oh my god we're so bad already sure so you're jason i'm jason and then that would make you seth i am seth um and we're gonna talk about stuff and then we're gonna talk about stuff we googled um which sounds like a bad idea now that i'm saying it out loud well it's not as bad of an idea as it sounds so basically the concept was similar to like a roderick on the line or a reconcilable differences except that i don't know that i could make a conversation where it's just two people talking without some sort of motivation behind it so the motivation that i conceived of is oh well everybody's doing google searches every day for some sort of bullshit that they don't know. Now, I just started using this, these Google searches when you brought this up. So I'm, I'm new to searching on the internet for things. Oh, okay. I don't believe you. I'm just kidding. I, I kind of do it. It's kind of part of my job. So. Oh, it is? I'm, I'm basically an expert. Yeah. Um, I do this really terrible thing called seo or i did for like 10 years i'm guessing I'm, I'm doing something a little bit different now but there's this whole industry called search engine optimization where you're like trying to kind of seos don't like to use the word manipulate but you're basically kind of like manipulating the search result page and trying to get like whatever dumb thing that you're in charge of showing up for whatever dumb thing people are searching for for whatever stupid overall idea that you're like basically you're making it so that you can get your unregulated powders higher on the page than someone else's unregulated powders yeah and specifically like when you search for like thing to make my wing wang bigger my job is sometimes to figure out like what is the person who wants their wing wang bigger like what are they going to search for and then like what do you actually do to the website to make it show up higher and um not super proud of it, but now I'm doing something like kind of similar, kind of adjacent. So I'm allowed to like totally dump on SEO as a thing. So my, my experience with SEO is much more limited in scope in that I spent about 10 minutes trying to get my photography website uh, up to some sort of SEO standard. And then I abandoned it because I realized I fucking hate marketing. Yeah. Welcome to my life, like 40 <laughs> hours a week. <laughs> So what I'm saying is I should hire you. Yeah, well, I think I gave you some free advice I think like you did six too. months ago. And if you're anything like the clients I had freelancing, you ignored it and then got angry at me like two months later when it didn't work. Oh, I definitely didn't fully ignore it. Well, like I said, I, I did do about 10 minutes worth of work. It's, it's such a, like, a weird 
thing and it's you kind of like you're like a parasite on another like legitimate company like Google where you're like, oh, let me just take this thing you have and like figure out a way to make an entire industry based on all this hard work that you've already done. But also this is Google's fault. Oh, yeah, it's, it's fully their fault. Google's not a good company. I think we can call them evil at this point. Well, they told us not to call them evil specifically, but I think we're allowed to, even though this is going to go on the internet and Google's in charge of the internet or like at least most of it. I mean, let's be honest, but I don't think we'll get in too much trouble. So Jason, I'm already really concerned about this show. Yeah. Yep. It's, it's not going to show up in search results because we're, we're bad mouthing Google. And oh, no, not, not that at all. It's just that I am listening to our conversation, mm-hmm. and it is far too slow. Oh, I, would, I can't tell if you're kidding. Do I, I know I talk fast sometimes. No, 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 no. I am a monster who listens to podcasts at 3x. Oh, I'm not. I listen as God intended at the original speed. I listen as God intended at only two and a half x. <laughs> like, like, like podcast Jesus says, just leave it alone. Just listen to it. It'll be over eventually. Don't worry about it. But see, now I'm concerned because I'm so used to listening to shows at like super fast speed that I'm listening to this and I'm like, oh no, this isn't a show because this is not fast enough to be a show. Because Alvin and none of his chipmunk brethren are are talking right now. So, are you even podcasting if you're doing it? By talking at a normal rate? Probably not. No way to know. I've been told, I, I, don't, know if I'm, I don't know if I talk too fast or not, but like I know I'm an, I'm an East Coast person, and I've been to the Midwest, and people have told me that I talk too fast and that I get too upset when Midwesterners are friendly to me for basically no reason, which to me feels like aggression, but really they're just trying to be like decent human beings, and I'm so used to... Um, being surrounded by all this negativity and shittiness that when somebody just says like, good morning to me in the hallway, it truly feels like I'm, I'm being attacked. Okay. Let's get into the show. Okay. So I did not pull very many search terms since this is just a pilot episode and I figured we probably wouldn't have time to get through a whole lot. Mm -hmm. And then I started thinking it's just a pilot episode. We're probably not good at talking. Mm-hmm. I should have pulled a ton of search terms so we could just pound those things out. I want to know how many you have. How many do you have? I have 14. Fuck. <laughs> I have three. All right. Well, okay. I should, I should change that. I, I prepared 14 and I culled it down to three or four that like, I think would actually be good to talk about. Okay. So... I, I looked through a bunch and like, I'm not going to include stuff like remove background fuzz audio. It's, it's um, probably my fault. Cause I'm using a, a really terrible, like gamer headset that I bought six or seven years ago. And um, I'm going to get a big boy mic soon. Okay. You know what? I'm going to put a couple more on my list real quick. Now this is, these 14 were edited down from like my, all, like everything I searched for in the last week or so. All right. I'm going to get up to two more so we can have a total of five, I think. I think that's a great, okay. a great number. Oh, God. I searched for Pokemon names a lot. Mm. What's like, I've only ever played Pokemon 
Red? Yeah, I was Pokemon Red and basically stopped playing. I was really into Pokemon Red when I was playing Pokemon Red. Um, but as soon as it like got past the threshold of 151 Pokemon, I kind of tapped out. Oh, it's impossible to keep them straight. Yeah, and it, like there's like traffic signal ones and ones that are like... I see them now and I'm like, I, it makes me feel like kind of an old man when I'm like, come on, this is not a Pokemon. I have a new one that is my absolute favorite that I'm going to make you look up. It's called a Phalanx, F-A-L-I-N-K-S. F-A-L-I-N-K-S? Yes. Now we're just going to click on images on Google search. Now this, this is just an armored Weedle which I know as the Pokemon that you always have to fight in like the very first beginner zone before you get to be good at fighting Pokemon. Mm -hmm. This is just Weedle. No, wait. Oh, that's just a lot of them in a row. What am I looking at? Well, well think about the name of the Pokemon. It's phalanx. Like phalanx, like, like a, like a, a military formation. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. See every picture I'm seeing is they're like lined up like nose to butt. Yep, like like a human centipede. Yeah, it, it makes them look like a poke centipede. Let's let's use proper terminology here. What what why a why b how? I guess that's all my questions. I think I kind of understand it past why and how. <laughs> I get what it is and who it is, and maybe when it is. It's when is when you're in a game of Pokemon. But anyway, yeah, huh. that's, that's all I have for that. I, that's okay. my new favorite. All right. You're, that's totally I, – I couldn't tell you, like, one of the new ones, except I know there's ones that are good at fighting because sometimes I play Smash Brothers and, like, there's always ones that are, like – it's like a frog, but he's a ninja and, and maybe he's psychic. Um, oh, hell. What is that one called? I don't know. Yeah. I don't care. I mean, I'm search, certainly not going to search for it. Should we search for it in real time? No. So I've got five terms. You said you've got you've dialed it down to how many? Uh, let's let's call it four. All right. Well, then I'll start. Okay. What's your first one? So the first. Oh, actually, let me send you a list, and you can pick the first one. Oh, okay. All right. So should we talk about <laughs> my my first podcasting snafu? Actually. Yeah, sure. Let's go for it. All right. So I'm. This is my first time ever recording anything really uh, that is like my voice. Um, and so Seth has been really helpful in like getting me set up and like all the stuff I have to do. And I was just mentioned like, hey, it's kind of crazy that like this recording software doesn't really show you like a waveform or like the amount of time that you've been talking. Like it's just blank <laughs> and. Seth was like, well, you're probably not recording. And <laughs> turns out he was right. But we're on track now. Yeah, everything's good now. Okay, so I just sent you five search terms. Mm -hmm. Pick one and let's talk about it. Now, I don't want to get too McElroy adjacent too early. Of course. Except I do. And please tell me more about horse shampoo. Horse shampoo. Yeah. Okay, so earlier in the Dubai Friday Discord... We started talking about hygiene and health and how people take care of themselves. And one member brought up the, uh, like, referenced that they always used horse shampoo as a kid. 
And I was like, oh yeah, no, I, I definitely always used that as well. Like when I was at camp, that shit was everywhere. And this isn't a joke. This is something that really happened in your life. Are you not familiar with this? <laughs> I don't know what horse shampoo is, but I don't know why a human would use it. Okay, so there is this product that is called Mane and Tail. It's M-A-I-N apostrophe N T-A-I-L. So it's a good little good little wordplay we got going it on is, already. It is literally shampoo for horses. And you put it on children because like a horse, yes. sometimes you must break a child by 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 really just decimating their spirits that then they will listen to you. So I, I don't I don't really remember why everyone always used it, but it's definitely a thing that I remember. I assume it's because it's dirt cheap. Because it would have to be because horses are huge. Yeah, horses are big. And so I think it's just like it's super cheap and it's available and you can buy it at the farm supply store when you're buying your dog feed and your rabbit feed. <laughs> and <laughs> But like human shampoo doesn't have to be expensive either. I'm sure you could get like a tub of head and shoulders or some other pretty cheap horse ship. Uh, not, what, non-horse <laughs> ship. Oh, you got me. You already got me. You know what? I'm sold. I think you can even get it at Target. I think you can just go to Target and look for a bottle of mane and tail and just go to town with that. Let me know how your hair's feeling after a week. If it's falling out, that's great. You're on track. What's really funny is I, I have just like voluntarily been at the receiving end of mockery from like everybody I've shared this with that I am using, I, I like had to buy new shampoo and new conditioner because I decided I want my hair to be a little longer and I have like kind of curly wavy hair and you have glorious hair. I have, I have hair and like I'm growing it and I wasn't supposed to have hair for as long as I did because like literally I'm the only male on either side of my family that has hair after the age of like 27. So, you know, I got to like have fun with it, mix it up. So I'm like kind of growing it out and I came across this whole ideology about how to like have good curly hair and not bad curly hair. And it involves like buying the certain shampoo that doesn't have certain stuff in it, but you only use the shampoo once. It's like, it, it feels very like sorceress wizard incantation. It's like, you must buy this shampoo and use it once. And if you use it more than once, you'll die, but you have to use this one. And then you do, you know, only conditioner and all this other stuff. So I've, I've been like on the receiving end of, you know, people that I trust questioning, like what the hell is wrong with me and, and why I've gotten so like very interested in this stuff that I rub into my head every day. So where are you getting your advice from at this point? Is it Reddit? Uh, a little bit. And then there's like other sites now that are like spinoffs where it's, you know, like some idea spawns on Reddit and then people spin up like a whole site where it's, you know, the, the, the wisdom of Reddit, but condensed into like two pages. So you don't have to really like read all of the nonsense that comes with it and get everybody's comments on it. But it's worked so far. Like today I got my, I got my, my new sulfate free silicone free other things, free shampoo. And I used it. And I think it worked. My hair was more curly than it normally was. So what, what brand did you go for? Well, they said to use VO5, which is like... Oh, I've seen that in stores. It's like really cheap, but it doesn't have all the stuff. And like, like theoretically, if you do it right, you're only using the shampoo once for the rest of your life and then never again. I don't understand uh, that. 
Well, like the idea is that if you have wavy or curly hair, the more you wash it, the more it gets dried out. So you just don't wash it with shampoo. You wash with just like hot water and conditioner and you just hope it doesn't smell like shit. And I have to ask my wife, my wife every once in a while, just like smell my head and be like, I don't, I don't smell like shit. Right. And so far so good. And my, my hair has been curlier. So win, 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 I think. Okay. Well, I mean, I'm not going to fault it if it's working. I just have so many questions as to how it could possibly be working. It just is. And I mean, maybe we got to get horses on this. No shampoo kick. Because it sounds like there's a little bit of a racket with this horse shampoo, and they're selling a lot of it. Because, as you mentioned, horses have a lot of hair, but maybe they don't need all the shampoo. Yeah, I'm not really sure what people are shampooing their horses for in, like, day-to-day life. Is that a thing? Do you have to do that? Now, you were talking to somebody who's interactive with a horse three, maybe two times in my 30-plus years on this earth. So I'm... Uh, I've lived in a city my whole life, and I, I I don't I don't know a lot about horses except for they're very strong, and they ha- again we're we're fully McElroying with horse talk already, but they're they're very strong and they have powerful legs and pretty hair. So I remember growing up, we had a miniature donkey, and I don't think we shampooed that fucker once. <laughs> You're gonna have to back up a minute. Because, because growing up, I had a miniature donkey. If if you've not, if you don't have the name of like an album picked out already, that's it. <laughs> I is it that weird? Maybe we're maybe this should just be like Midwest East Coast, like oh Perfect Strangers style podcast. Because I don't know anybody. I never knew anybody that owned animals that were not a cat or dog growing up, A. Okay, so we should talk about this for a few more seconds then. Um, yeah. So I what was Hold up. on. What was yep. the donkey's name first? I have literally no idea. You don't know its name? I, I, I have no idea. Was this, was this like an animal friend or was it like yes. a, a working animal? No, animal friend. And you don't know its name, huh? I have spent so little time thinking about it in the past 10 years. You know, if if Pet Donkey goes to Donkey Heaven and Pet Donkey doesn't have a name, it doesn't get to go to Donkey Heaven. Was it Fred? It might have been Fred, which is an awful name. That's not a good name for a donkey. You got so much room to work with. with, give, with. Give, give me a second. I am going to ask my brother what... Was our donkey's name? Follow up album to I had a. <laughs> what, what was I already forget what it was. I had a miniature donkey growing up. I think that this is one of those things where, like, you find yourself in therapy the next week going. And then I found myself asking my brother, what was our donkey's name? <laughs> so I. I knew I heard of I never I never saw it with my own two eyes. There was a rumor that there was a kid who had a pet potbelly pig growing up. That's as close to farm animals as I ever got in my childhood. Okay, it was Fred. I'm glad you knew its name because now, as stated before, it's not in Donkey Hell. Yeah, yeah, it, it's in Donkey Heaven because he had a name. 
So a little bit more context for who I am and how I grew up. Our closest neighbor was a half mile away. That sounds far. In a half mile, I could do a lot. I did a lot of trick-or-treating. Like I could hit a lot of houses in a half mile where I grew up. Our closest neighbor was a half mile away, and it was a 20-minute drive into town. And that was a town of 20,000. I don't know how many people were in the town I grew up in, but I, my high school graduating class was 700. So, like, three of those, and that's everybody. <laughs> huh. That's so rural. Also not the name of this podcast, but it could be. <laughs> that's a great name. Um, so we had, I mean, throughout the years, we probably had a few hundred rabbits. We had chickens, geese, ducks. Uh, what else did we have? I mean, all the indoor traditional stuff, birds, hamsters, gerbils. Now, see, for me, birds, hamsters, gerbils, you're already in exotic animal territory. We had just... Dozens upon dozens of fish. We had a giant 55-gallon fish tank right in our living room. I grew up with a fish tank, too. We had a 55, 75. I think my dad had a 75-gallon tank. Fancy. Fresh or salt? He had a big saltwater tank and then a smaller reef tank. We we only ever did fresh water. I think my mom was scared of doing salt water because it's supposed to be pretty finicky. Yeah, I'm going to put fish holocaust on the list of topics to discuss at some point. Because that's something to talk about. Should I just talk about it now? Yeah, let, let's just do the fish holocaust. You can't say fish holocaust and not immediately address the fish holocaust. Wait, so, you're, you're Jewish, right? Yes. Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah, No, so it's, it's okay to say holocaust. <laughs> um, so I, my dad, the, the trait I inherited most from my dad is that when he gets into a hobby, he goes hard and does not come up for air until he's like done with the hobby forever. So what, what had happened was I came home from a carnival with a goldfish and that turned into a small freshwater tank. And that small freshwater tank turned into a medium freshwater tank. And that medium freshwater tank eventually turns into my dad is going to the fish store every week and has a 75 gallon reef tank with live rock and coral reef and sea anemones and really pretty awesome fish. And it was, it was a really, really cool thing to have in our house as a kid. That sounds like a very expensive hobby. Yeah. Yeah. So like he, he just like goes so hard into it and he is like one hobby at a time right now. It's bonsai. Um, but at the time, yeah, it was it was tropical fish. And I, I specifically remember this is so of a time of like the 90s. But um, I remember once a month, tropical fish hobbyist would come in the mail and he would read it. And then it would end up uh, in a bathroom because, um, you, know, you know, what do you do? You read about tropical fish while you're on the toilet. So I come home from college one day and the fish are everything is gone. And I asked my dad what happened and he said oh fish holocaust (laughs) like like that's just you know something that happens when you're into fish um so apparently what happened was we we grew up on a street even though we were like in the suburbs of a pretty big city our street was like a very out of the way street where like you wouldn't 
really have to drive on it unless you were looking for it. So when our power went out, it would stay out for days because it wasn't like a priority to get it back on because there weren't that many people there and it, it just wasn't a high priority area. I grew up with my closest neighbor half a mile away and I cannot relate to that. Huh. Maybe it's just, should we just call out, I don't, I don't know if I want to say the city that it is, but maybe it's just our, my local utility company just kind of sucked, which, I which think they do. that has to be it. Yeah. All right. So, so power went out and then it's like day two and he's doing water changes and all the stuff that you do. And then it's like day three and fish start dropping. And then I think it went to like into day four day four, it came back on. But by that time, like a reef tank is like an ecosystem. And if the water gets the wrong temperature, then the coral dies and then the things that eat the coral die and then the things that eat the things that eat the coral die. And it just kind of spirals out of control. So, so yeah, so we had a fish Holocaust in our house. All the fish died. After the fish Holocaust, did he restart or was that it? No, that was it. That was like, that was like God telling him no more fish. So I, I dare, dare not ask, but what next? After fish, there was a while after fish. He may have gone right from fish to bonsai even. Oh God. Yeah. I mean, trees are hardier than fish. Like power goes out, trees fine. Sure. So I'm assuming that the bonsai is what got you interested in trees, hence the coaching tree in your search list this week. It wasn't, but I appreciate the effort on the segue. It was very low effort. So so coaching tree is in my search history this week because earlier today, when we were talking about this very podcast, the way Seth and I even got connected was through a different podcast. Oh, please do not address the listener. The who? Like, nobody's, nobody's going to listen to this. That's fair. But basically, exploring the idea of how did we get connected? Well, it was through another podcast. And how did that podcast get started? Well, it was actually through a podcast before that. And it just kind of like made this idea jump into my head about coaching trees. So a coaching tree in the NFL is this idea that like a coach has assistant coaches and oftentimes those assistant coaches go on to become head coaches themselves. And then those head coaches hire their own assistant coaches who sometimes go on to be head coaches and so on and so on and so on until the end of time. So I said to Seth earlier today, like, oh, like this is just another branch on the like Merlin man coaching podcast tree and uh, had to like Google it so I could send him an example of what it was. But like famously, Bill Walsh is like the guy in the NFL with like the coaching tree. Um, So Bill Walsh like coached Mike Holmgren, who then went on to coach Andy Reid, who then went on to coach Steve Spagnuolo. And like it just kind of like goes on and on and on. Um, But it's just like this idea that like somebody good at something teaches somebody to do a thing who then teaches another person. And like if you would visually map it out, you could like theoretically go back and see like who was like really the guy or the girl who was like the keeper or originator of like all of this knowledge that then got disseminated to like make a thing to what it is today. So if we trace back the Merlin man podcast universe, Mm -hmm. the earliest that I'm aware of is you look nice today with Scott Simpson and lonely sandwich. Yes, like the podcast that 
podcast nerds talk about when they're like, no, this is this is really when I discovered podcasts. Did Scott Simpson or Lonely Sandwich, did either of them have a project before that? How far back can we trace this? I don't I don't know because I think the problem is they haven't really been active doing podcasts since like Merlin has. Whereas, you know, Merlin's gone on to do a lot of cool stuff. And uh, I, I can take it one level up. And I know you were you were asking about this earlier, so I might as well just espouse my bullshit on it. So the first time I heard Merlin was on a Leo Laporte show called it was either This Week in Tech or MacBreak Weekly. And I don't remember which it was, but he was like a regular guest on on both. And Leo Laporte was like this OG technology dude who was on tech TV. And then he went on to found the twit TWIT podcasting network, which um, was like when I started listening to podcasts in like 2000 and oh my God, seven, 2006. I don't know. It was a long, long time ago in like digital years. And um, Merlin would basically go on and his job was to dunk on this dude named Jason Calacanis, who sucked so much shit. He, this this guy was the worst. He's like a VC VC man who decided he was going to disrupt Google by creating like what he called a human powered search engine, which was nothing. Like it was so bad. It was called Mahalo. But like Merlin would just go on and be like, so like all your ideas are terrible and everything you're doing is bad and all your ideas suck. And I was like, I like this guy. He's he's really he speaks to he says all the things to, that I wish I could say to Jason Calacanis. So that was like, you know, I think Leo Laporte really is like the, the trunk, so to speak, of I think a lot of what you would call the, the podcaster coaching tree. OK, so what year was that? You said that was what? 20 oh i'd have to look up what year this week in tech or just end my search history first episode let's see when that was 2005 was the first oh, okay episode so my origin with listening to podcasts goes back to 2007 and which which podcast would that go back to web comics weekly now I I really hope this is going to spiral into some sort of explanation into Homestuck because I've never been satisfied with anybody's explanation of what Homestuck is. It certainly will not. Oh, damn it. All right, what was what was your webcomic of choice? At that point, it was probably PVP. Gotcha. Scott Scott Kurtz. Kurtz, who was one of the four hosts on Webcomics Weekly. Oh, interesting. Mm. And like, how did you, what was like your way that you would like, what technology did you use to get it from the internet into your ears? Oh, I think I just listened to it in browser. Oh man. Like a dinosaur, like a, like a troglodyte. So that's 2007. I would have been 16 living at home doing homework at the computer all day, every day. And instead of doing homework, I was just reading ebooks and browsing the internet. Oh, you're a little bit younger than me, but like that sounds awesome. I would do that now for free. Oh, it's great, except that I know nothing about hard sciences or math. Oh, me neither. Nope. Public school system failed me pretty oh, cool. hard there. Cool, cool, cool. Yep. I, I uh, famously slept through a chemistry midterm, and the teacher called my house 
from the midterm where from the school where the midterm was taking place uh and my mom woke me up and said your chemistry teacher's on the phone and you're supposed to be taking a chemistry midterm right now amazing yeah it was bad so i want to i want to know more about the the podcast and like how it kind of slingshotted you into where you are now web comics weekly i listened to that for a while and i remember being like just completely fascinated by the fact that it was it was just like four people who were hanging out and being funny together. And I mean, they're naturally funny people already. They're all like drawing comics and not like Marvel or DC comics. Like these are comics that every day have a punchline. They're coming up with at least one joke every day. Hmm. And so they started doing this podcast together and it was informative about their process. It was also just them bullshitting and having real human conversations without any sort of, like, radio censorship constrictions. Which, growing up in a pretty conservative place, that was, you know, that was rad. Right, like, where where else are you going to hear that? Right, I didn't have anything else that looked like that in my life. Huh. And so, I remember eventually dropping off, because I'm pretty sure I was only listening to them during the live streams while they were being recorded. And, like, did it, did it kind of... For me, I can always look back and be like, oh, I got into this because I was into that. And like somebody recommended something like was there like a stepping stone progression where you went from that podcast to a different podcast and then you got to where you are today, which is master of podcasts. So from there, I eventually just kind of lost track of podcasting altogether. And it was years later when I was working at Wells Fargo and just doing really boring ass data entry shit that I was like, Oh, I have listened to 17 albums today and I'm honestly getting sick of the entire concept of music. I need something else. And I was like, Oh, right. Web comics weekly was a thing. I wonder what else is in that space. So I just started looking through podcasts and I'd heard of this one called nerdist and Hey, I'm a nerd. Let's go for that. It's right in the name. I mean, how right in the name, how could it not be for you? And so acknowledging that Chris Hardwick present day is a complete shitbag who, you know, should jump off a cliff. Um, acknowledging that, Nerdist was huge. That was the first exposure I had to uh, Kumail Nanjiani or Neil Brennan or just the entire alt-comedy scene. Hmm. I never would have considered... I don't really know Neil Brennan, but I got into Kumail from a, like a totally different tack, and I wish I knew what it was because I'm guessing you listened to the indoor kids when that was a thing. I never did. <gasps> oh, shame on you. It was so good. It was always on my list, but I've never really identified as a gamer. Oh, interesting. Okay. Well, that would make more sense. Yeah. So like I love games, but I'm also super spoiler adverse. So I often found myself avoiding podcasts where I thought I might get spoilers about something that I might someday play. Maybe. Man, we are, we are so different people. I, I seek out spoilers. I see it. And I'm like, tell me what happens, baby. I'm ready. I do not watch movie trailers. Oh man. But like, how do you know what movies look like? They're going to be good. I have people that I trust. <laughs> I've got a guy. Well, I got a guy. On, on that front, it's like, oh, I'm on Letterboxd all the time. And so I see, for example, I see that Demi Adejuibe has given Portrait of a Lady on Fire, like four and a half or five stars. I know that that means I've got to check out that movie. Okay. Because even if 
I don't personally like it, I can rest assured that it's at least quality. Well, I can already come out of this recording knowing that I learned something, and that is that I've been calling it Letterbox D, and that is not right. I think a lot of people call it that, and I don't know if that's correct or if the way I say it is correct, but I think that Letterboxd sounds better, so that's what I say. Oh, yeah. Way better. Um, but yeah, so I, I just follow a few people that I really trust on there, and that informs what I go see. Hmm. Also, I'm a complete normie-ass mumblecore bitch. So I watch everything A24 puts out. Yeah, I'm like, uh, my brother-in-law is like very mumble. Wait, mumblecore? Is that yeah. what you said? Yep. Okay. I, I only said that because you said that, but A24 is like his jam. And so I end up watching a lot of it because I just like talking to him. So I'll watch that stuff. But also I won't watch anything too scary. I'll just read the Wikipedia entry for the show, for, for the movie. So like, I can tell you like, the witch sounds cool. I'm never going to see it because I'm going to be too scared. Oh, but. The, the witch was incredible. If you ever want to watch a movie where you just want to be infuriated the entire time, try watching the witch without subtitles. Okay. Now, what if I want to read the Wikipedia entry without subtitles? I'm sure that's fine. But what you need to do is, and I think it's on Amazon Prime, watch like the first 10 minutes of the witch without subtitles and tell me what percentage of the dialogue you were able to make out. Okay. I think that's, is, am I going to be, I don't, I don't like I don't, being scared. I don't think you'll be scared from the first 10 minutes. Okay. All right. We could try that. But it's everything about that movie is so meticulously and historically made that he had everybody do these accents that are completely indecipherable. Yeah. I'm not like doubting that it's good or that I would like it if I wasn't such a big diaper baby who is too scared to watch a movie that's <laughs> clearly pretend but it's just like if i'm gonna sit and watch something man i don't like that feeling of like dread in my stomach so i just read the wikipedia entry and like i've i've learned through the magic of the internet that like this is something people do it's like a normal thing that people are too scared to see a movie so they just read the wikipedia entry they're like yep cool i'm good that is absolutely a thing that a lot of people do um, Mel also will not watch scary movies. So when I come home from seeing one, I'll just like give her the whole story front mm-hmm. and back and I'll just recount it to her. And that seems to work pretty well. Are there like, do you act anything out or is it just like, this oh, happened no. and this happened? Okay. No, no, no I, no. I would appreciate like a full immersion experience, but also knowing that you probably will not scare me from acting it out. <laughs> Hey, should we try to get through two more? Because I think we've only done one each here. Sure. Let's try and get at least one more each. All right. Hit me with the thing you want to know that I searched for this week. So I'm assuming that Rita's gelati. Yeah. Gelati is gelato, but female, right? Well, you'd have to ask somebody who speaks Italian. I'm just a dumb person from a city where we have stuff called gelati. Oh, so a gelati is not somewhere where gelato is made. Nope. Hmm. Hmm. Now I, I'm I'm kind of giving up the giving up the goat, giving up the ghost. One of the two is giving up the ghost dying. I have literally no idea what that expression is. I think it means dying. So I'm not giving. I'm 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 taking the veil off. So Rita's R I T A apostrophe S is a staple of the 
Philadelphia experience. I don't know if it exists anywhere else, but I was trying to explain this concept of what Rita's is. And more specifically, if I said the word, all right, now I'm going to try to say this without a Philadelphia accent, water ice to you. What would you think I was talking about? It's like a snow cone type thing, right? It is. Yeah. It's, I, I'm, I'm really impressed that like, I've watched enough Bon Appetit. Gotcha. Okay. And so Brad, who's from the Jersey area, probably has talked about maybe Rita's, but just like water ice. Oh, I just said water, water ice in general. Hmm. Okay. So Rita's gelati is a storefront restaurant food cart that sells water ice. Rita's is the storefront and they sell water. Oh my God. How do I get over the fact that I hear myself say it and I hate it so much, but that's just how I talk. So Rita's is a storefront and what Rita's sells is water ice and custard. Custard, I think everybody should know what it is because it's very delicious and, and you can get it wherever. Water ice is like snow cone soup, maybe is how I would call it. It's like a kind of it's it's more liquid than like Italian ice, which traditionally you'd have to like scrape up out of a cup to get like a serving of. Yeah, you can, you can buy like little Italian ices in the freezer section. So yeah, imagine that, but like you left it out on the counter for ten minutes and then you just like stirred it up and maybe poured some water in it. It's like it's like a yeah, like a like a melty snow cone in a cup that you eat with a spoon. What a gelati is, is a product that this specific franchise has created, and that is that you put a layer of custard at the bottom of the cup, and then a layer of water ice in the middle of the cup, and then you top it with more custard. And so you're meant to kind of like eat the custard at the top and then stir in the rest, and it kind of creates this like very bastardized American version of like what we would think gelati is, like, you know corn syrup and uh ice cream mixed together this sounds fantastic it's so good oh my god and my my preferred flavor is cherry and lemon mixed together with vanilla on top so in my mind i was envisioning this as only being available in vanilla i guess if you're a monster you could get a non-vanilla custard on top you could get chocolate but like i can't think of a water ice flavor that would taste good with the chocolate ice cream mixed in cherry or raspberry maybe rat i think raspberry would totally work i don't know if rita's has a raspberry flavor but also another thing you should know about me Mm -hmm. is i'm the type of person when like i discover what i like at a restaurant i will just order that thing like probably until i'm dead so like as a child i really liked cherry water ice with vanilla ice cream in my gelati so, again, I'm in my 30s now. I've never ordered it any other way. I've never ordered anything else at Rita's in the last 30-some years. If this were a challenge podcast. Yeah, I'd have to get a different flavor, huh? Thank God it's not. I hear mango is good. My, my wife likes mango-flavored stuff. Um, I hear their mango is good. I will never eat it because why would, you, why would you eat something different when you know there's something that you already like on the menu? Oh, wait, I have, I have like a, a side story to that. So I, as a child, would eat the same sandwich for lunch every day for an entire school year 
and then decide that like at the end of the year, like I was done with that sandwich and I would never eat it again. But then the next year I would just like find something new. And then like that would be my sandwich for the entire school year. So it was like, I, I kind of took that and like supercharged it when I became a grown up. You are a storybook character. No, I'm, I'm pretty normal. I think if you wrote that in like an early elementary like <laughs> chapter book, it would be completely in place. And people would be like, that's a really good idea. I should do that. I'll adopt that as my quirk. The child with the broken brain. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's an episode title right there. <laughs> yeah, that was me. Um, hey, I would like to know what piercing. No, I did not take French. Piercing Eau Claire. Did I? Did I say Eau Claire. Eau Claire. Eau Claire means the clear. Okay. It's short for the clear water, which is what the city of Eau Claire is named after. Huh. The Eau Claire River. And why would you want to put a piece of metal through its nose, ear, or belly button? So I've been Googling because I'm thinking about getting my septum pierced. Interesting. Okay. So Eau Claire is a place yes. near where you live. It is the closest decent-sized city near where I live. It's about 40 minutes away. I see. And then you were looking to have somebody put a piece of metal through your septum. Absolutely. And then you're going to put some jewelry in there. Sure. Why not? All right. So like, how did you decide that you're going to be the kind of person who has, you said septum? Yep. Who has a septum piercing? Felt like the right thing to do. And that's that. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, no, like I, I started stretching my ears when I was, 18. I, you know, I've been in the metal scene for a long time. It's just something that people that I know do. And therefore it's always seemed normal. So why would I not do it too? And you know what? 10 years later, sure. Let's do it. So it's just like, you feel like it's kind of always been expected of you and you'd be letting down, you know, the, the scene quote unquote, if you didn't just like keep doing it. No, it's more of a like, Oh, it's something I've always casually thought about doing. So why not finally just bite the bullet and do it? Huh. Do you have and any other piercings besides? You said your ears are stretched. Yeah. Right now I've just stretched my ears, uh, and that's all I've ever done. I've never let anybody put a needle in me unless they had a very good reason. Well, I have a tattoo. It's not, it wasn't like a piercing, though. It's not the same, though. It's not. Okay, I think a lot of people are scared of tattoos because they hear the word needle, but it's not a fucking needle. Yeah, it's like a scraper with holes yeah. in it. I don't know. Yeah, I, I, I think all the fear of tattoos and needles is completely overdone. Well, the needle thing, I, if, if we want to, if I can like lay down on the long couch and be the therapist patient for a second, I am scared that anytime somebody puts a needle in me, it's going to spring a blood leak that will never be closed. And then I'll turn into a human husk of a man. And that's just going to be the end of me. I've got a very different fear. Oh, what's that? Oh, God. Um, hey, if, you're, <laughs> if you don't want a new fear incepted into your brain, turn off the show now. Oh, I don't have the choice. No, <laughs> I don't need more. Have you ever worried about what would happen if the needle just broke? <gasps> I hate you so much. What? Why would you say that to me? 